Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Outsports Radio. This is Sid Ziegler with Jim Bozinski. And Jim, it is World Cup fever. The United States is in, into the elimination rounds for, what is it, the third straight World Cup? Second straight. Second straight. So it was, okay, so they missed one in the middle there. You know, it's funny, we get into argument with Connor Mertens on, on Twitter about whether the United States was actually in the quote-unquote group of death. Because I've seen several countries refer to their own group as the group of death. <laughs> this feels like a, a, yeah, a yeah, made yeah, up. Yeah, the one, there's one where they had three former World Cup winners are all in it, and the team, I think it was Costa Rica, won the group. So that might be called a group of death when you have three past champions. Right. Yeah, but well, and this, I don't over, even... We, what? Well, in this group, you know, Portugal is obviously a, a, a top world, one of the world's top teams. But Ronaldo was reportedly not 100%. They were missing some of their best players. So, okay, maybe on paper it was a tough group, but it turned out to not be so tough. Well, I think it was. I mean, actually, if they, if they don't beat if they don't beat Ghana in the first game, they're. I think they may have been eliminated. Then, I think that goal wound up being the big difference. So. I think it was because Ghana had knocked them out two times before or something. It was kind of like the matchups. You know, you don't want to play certain teams, and it was them for Ghana. Um, All right, so here's a question. The, the, the person who headed the goal to beat Ghana, what's mm-hmm. his name? John Brooks. Oh, you're <laughs> I've been asking some people, and they're like, because I remember afterwards, they were people were saying, "Oh, it's you know, he's going to he's going to be a huge star now," and 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 I've been asking people the uh, last couple of days, "What's the person's name?" And most people have no idea, can't remember. Even well, the, the people who I remember the game. has nothing to do with him. It's that I I my set my alarm each morning and it wakes me up to K and X radio, just because that's it, that it wakes me up. And one of their announcers is John Brooks. Oh, this is I'm John Brooks, and so I hear that voice in my head. And so when John Brooks scored, I made the association. So if it had been scored by somebody else, I probably would not have remembered. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, this to me is just—I mean, I think it's great that people are excited. But this is to me akin to the Olympics. That every four years, you know, I know there's more soccer interested in the past. I mean, Dave Copay, um before the event, I think you watch the World Cup. Oh, no, I don't care less. So I saw him last Sunday after the Portugal game. Did you watch that game? I said, I want to watch it with you. But he told me I hated soccer. Oh, I'm, I've been watching the entire tournament, even games that aren't involved in the U.S. So, go well, I wonder if the, US, if the U.S. had lost that first game to Ghana, I bet interest would be so much lower than it is. Yeah, because they then it would have been a real uphill climb. And, again, I think mathematically they would have been out because – of the way the results went, Portugal would have been 1-1-1, U.S. would have been 0-2-1, and Ghana would yeah. have been 1-1-1. Yeah, so the U.S. would have been eliminated if they did not beat Ghana. Um, or yeah, U.S. would have been 0-1-2, but still they would have been out. And 
Yeah, in a sense, it was the just outcome because the third tiebreaker is head-to-head. The first tiebreaker is not head-to-head. I was talking to somebody yesterday um, up who's a big soccer – Billy Witts, a big soccer guy, and so it seems kind of odd that the U.S. could have – if Ghana had won that game today 2-1, to one, the U.S. would have been eliminated on by the second tiebreaker, which is total goals, even though right. they beat Ghana head-to-head. Yep. And he explained that in soccer they tend they, they consider the totality of the group more than one individual game, but I thought it was kind of quirky. So, I have, well, by the way, if you want to call into the show and talk World Cup, we'll be talking about Mexico, their their chant soon, and a gay high school swimmer who came out. The number is three four seven nine four five seven eight three four. And well, you know, I, and, I and do you know about the thing. World Cup? This is interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt, Sid, but uh, Billy told me. He said, you know, there is no rule book in soccer. They don't have rules in soccer. They have laws, and laws are to be interpreted, which is why sometimes the referees will let stuff go by if they think a team has the advantage and would lose the advantage by the other team committing a penalty. I thought that was an interesting. I would never thought of it that way, that if they have rules, they're firm and fast, but laws can be interpreted by anybody. So the judge, in this case, well, is the referee. That's not true. We talk all the time with the, in the, in, with the football officials in high school about using your judgment about whether you should throw the flag or not. I mean, sometimes you throw the flag. Sometimes you talk to the person. It's, and, and, and advantage, disadvantage is a big piece of what you determine. I mean, if it's if, even if by the letter of the law, or the, or the rule, I guess, is broken, if there's no advantage gained, don't throw the flag. So well, I think Billy was explaining in a slightly different way, but I mentioned the whole stoppage time, which to me is I still think is absurd. That There's five minutes of stoppage time, <laughs> and that could be four minutes and 50 seconds. It could be five minutes and 17 seconds. And until the last, I think, decade, the referees never even had to tell you how much stoppage time. They literally with a certain way, okay, game over. <laughs> so it's the weirdest to me, rule they, or law they have is that you have no idea when the game actually ends. It's weird, and I don't know why. I just I had to make the games ninety-five minutes, just add a few minutes, or just we have stop the, the technology to stop the clock. <laughs> it's it was explained to me, not that he defended it, but that the idea is that they will never stop a play in the middle of a play. So if a team's drive, you know, running down and they have a scoring chance they will let that scoring chance continue until the end, until they will stop the game. So you'll never have a situation where the clock is, the whistle's blown as a guy's ready to put his foot to the ball. You but even then, around it, but it's, it's kind still. of arbitrary, right? It's like, hey, you got an extra 10 seconds this time, but I digress. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's, well, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to us as Americans who want things very clear-cut and clean and... <laughs> And not to, there's a lot of soccer people who think there should be a clock also. So it's not just stupid Americans who. It's a lot of soccer people who go. We have the technology now. We have goals decided by the. They have a, you know the goal technology now. Have a yeah. clock and stop the play during play, and so then you know 90 minutes is a real 90 minutes. And so if guys want to flop around, the clock stopped as they're flopping around. Well, it's well the, the story that you and I were talking about a lot away from the clock and the rule and the U.S. A lot this week was Mexico, actually, and Mexico's having a, a great World Cup. They look phenomenal, but their fans are pissing us off, <laughs> and Jim in particular. Jim's quite incensed by by their chants. Um, in, in case you don't know, the, the the Mexico fans chant "puto" at when it used to be. Well, you 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 
talk about it, Jim. I mean, it's, they used to do it at a certain time, but now they're well, doing they it all the time. They used to do it. To say, screw it, out sports. This great tradition everyone talks about, which started a whopping 11 years ago, uh, started in Guadalajara. They they chant Puto as the opposing team's goalie is kicking the ball back in. They claim it means coward, weak, unmanly, but it really is a gay slur. It's been determined by Mexicans. Anti-discrimination group is being a gay slur. Mexicans say it's a gay slur, but it has its passionate defenders that are saying it doesn't mean that. It means <coughs> cowardly, unmanly, and womanly, which sort of to me is sort of the same <laughs> difference. Um, but they got a lot of attention after last week's games against Brazil and Cameroon when FIFA – uh, began an investigation um, and would possibly discipline the Mexican team. Um, it became apparently, according to our friend Andrews, who we had on last week, a big talk story in Mexican media. Everybody was talking about that thing. And it became this affront to Mexican pride to have gringos tell them what to think. And FIFA, which is not a paragon of anti-discrimination, came out and said, no, it's not homophobic in this context. So in Monday's game against, uh, I forget who they were playing, um, they didn't start chanting it during goal kicks. They stopped every stoppage they were chanting it. And yeah. you could hear it loud and clear on ESPN and Univision, and the cameras, which are controlled by FIFA, actually started showing the crowd doing the chant. They would do this waggle of their their hand, and then they would cheer it out. So it was almost like this in-your-face gesture to everybody um, and it became something that was so widespread that you heard it the, virtually the entire game. Wait, the cameras are run by FIFA? Yeah, they, yeah. The, all the the cameras, are, it's a, a feed. I don't know, FIFA probably, probably pays somebody. It's a worldwide feed. So if you watch Univision and ESPN, you're seeing the same shots. I think after the game, ESPN might have some cameras on the American bench and stuff, but the actual game feed is a FIFA feed. Um that so the pictures are the same everywhere, and they were showing those fans with the little hand waggle and puto. Um, Why would cause that, that's? But, I, I guess it'd be so much interest if you, you you can't give one company control over the the broadcast. I guess I guess it makes sense. I just never even thought that FIFA itself controlled not just the audio but also the the video. That's crazy. Yeah, and I do think ESPN has cameras after the game. So today after the U.S. and Germany played, they had a camera on, Klinsmann. And, um, but you watch you watch Univision and ESPN side by side, as long as they're synced up properly, it's the same It's the same camera. Um, except well, you for want to talk, the announcer and things. So. If you want to talk slurs at, at the World Cup, it's 347-945-7834. It bugs me about this idea that FIFA puts forward in this context it's not a, a slur and we've heard from a bunch of people from Mexico who say who also say it's not a slur but like you said the no matter where how you look at it there is sexism and homophobia in this word whether it's man whore or whatever the word is supposed to be there is some kind of sexism and homophobia rooted in it it's like people using the word faggot now People can say, "Oh, it doesn't." I don't mean to be anti-gay. I just mean that you're weak or you're you're not good at sports, yeah. which of course is all rooted in the same homophobia that that we know faggot possesses. So it's just this. They don't understand. And the other piece is that 
while the people chanting it may not consciously understand that they that it's homophobic, the people receiving it certainly do. I know that I sat and watched that game, the whole game, hearing this chant over and over again. And every time I heard it, I really didn't feel good about it because it really felt like these people were just giving me the middle finger. Oh, totally. And, it, and it's going to be the same thing against the Netherlands on uh, Sunday at noon Eastern's the next game. And there's been a debate over what ESPN can and cannot do, and we've reached out to them, and they said that the chant comes through. They claim they're trying to minimize it. The chant comes through their announcer's microphones who are sitting in an open-air stadium. I don't know technically enough what they can and can't do and how they can monitor it. Um, apparently, they're extremely aware of it, and I know you know Glad has talked to them about it. But playing devil's advocate, uh, a person said to me, well, wouldn't that be censorship? Why not let people hear what these fans are saying? And it's the fans of the fault, not ESPN. That can't they shouldn't the spotlight Except, be shown on them basically by saying, okay, here's what these people chant during this game. I listen. I know they don't do that for anything else. If they were screaming the N word, they would stop it. If they were screaming faggot they would stop it. And and they do in news broadcasts. I've said the word faggot once on CBS Sports Radio just because we were talking about the word faggot and the hosts were saying the F word and I said faggot. They disconnected me. And I was just I just said the word because that's what we were talking about. They disconnected me. And the pro the program director called me and he said, you know, we love you but we can't have you say that word again. It's like they various media companies stop all kinds of words from being broadcast. So why is this word that certainly affects certain people? Why is this allowed? And it's part because FIFA's a bunch of jackasses. And two, because again, the protection of gay people simply does not, is, does not rise to the level in the, in the United States in people's heads that the protection of racial, at least black people, do with as far as as far as the n word and the f word. Yeah, and I also pointed out that they don't show streakers at events. They don't show people who run on the field. They clearly don't show that. They literally say we're not going to show that, <clears throat> and they're not going to show the neo-Nazi manners in the stands that happen at these games. So they do, in essence, censor themselves. And you know, I'd be curious to see what happens on Sunday because we know the network is very aware of it and. Again, I'm not a technical guy with audio. I don't know what they – I think it would be odd if you literally heard silence for seconds at a time. But I thought, well, couldn't they have some kind of, you know, ambient noise, micro, you know, something where you can hear the announcer's voices, but the background is just a common crowd noise, you know, like a buzz. Um, I'm really wondering what we're going to be hearing because this is this is now becoming so widespread that they're doing it all the time. So hopefully the Dutch will win in – knock the Mexicans out. I don't know. The Mexicans look really good. And I understand that ESPN, you know, they say they don't control everything, but they ultimately control what gets broadcast over their airways, period, full stop. The FCC does not hold FIFA responsible for what ESPN and Univision broadcast. So ESPN and Univision can 
hide behind FIFA and say that, oh, well, it's really up to them. No, it's not. <laughs> what they broadcast is up to ESPN, period. So they can mute it if they want. This is a this is a multi-billion dollar company. They can figure out how to mute something without it sounding odd. They can work with their commentators to figure out how they know, at, le- at least during the goal kicks. They know on the goal kicks and the corner kicks. They have several seconds of lead. They know it's going to come. So just have the commentators not speak during that time and mute it. Period. It's very simple. But they won't do it. Well, we'll see if they will or won't. Apparently they are this – this has sort of been ratcheted up in their awareness, so we'll see what happens on Sunday. But a good point in talking to well, Billy again, who covered soccer for years, said he thinks that the big issue of him is the Mexican players. He said none of them will stand up and take this on because he's dealt with this when he's covered U.S.-Mexican uh, national games. He said all it would take was some of these popular players to say this is not acceptable – and that would have an impact with the crowd, but they don't say anything. And a Soccer America editor wrote me and said he approached one of the Mexican players at a U.S.-Mexico game, and the guy wouldn't even address the question. And the coach has stood up and said that it's totally okay. So yeah. <laughs> they've gone the complete opposite ways. Or the players have said it, but the coach has said something, and he's actually defended it. Defended it. So it it's is part of the dispiriting that you know that that FIFA came up with this thing, and you see these banners at the, all the games now. I saw them at the World Cup. You know, standing against racism. You know, they don't say discrimination; they say racism, and so it's a real specific focus for FIFA. Um, and the next two World Cups will be held in Russia, which remember Sochi, and then after that, unless they move it, Qatar, which neither place is particularly gay friendly. So FIFA sort of going the opposite way. And maybe this is why they didn't want to take a stand now, because if they take a stand against Puto, I mean, what the heck are they going to do with Russia and Qatar? (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see uh, this weekend what happens with with that broadcast. Another big story that we had this week, Jim, and when I posted, I didn't know how big of a story it was going to be, but a Colorado State high school swimming champion, Jack Thorne, decided to come out as gay on Outsports. And it was kind of an interesting way how this happened. Connor Mertens is a a, a college football kicker at Willamette University, and he connected me with Jack. And so I've been texting with Jack for the last, I don't know, couple of months. And he's been hemming and hawing about whether to do this. And Connor messaged me Sunday night and said, or no, it was Monday morning, and he said, by the way, Jack's coming out today. (laughs) What? Okay. And so Jack posted the message on Facebook and Twitter, and I asked him if we could run it on Outsports. And he said, "He said, can you wait till tonight? I'm a little overwhelmed by the responses from my friends. So I said, sure. We waited till tonight, and we posted it, and the story just exploded. It, 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 many of the gay publications picked it up. It got retweeted a bunch of places. The traffic, it was our most read story, I think, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And, you know, all from the story of a high school swimmer. I know Chris Cassingham, we had the story of him uh, earlier this month. And it was kind of the same thing with his story. It's just interesting to me that the stories of high school swimmers coming out as gay would be so well-received. 
Oh, I do think there's a part of it is the whole swimming aspect. I think people are probably clicking to see, you know, a visual or something. But I do think it's the high school part, too, that we, we know that this has been a great, a much better time for LGBT athletes, but there still aren't that as many people out as we would like. And we keep hearing it, that when a Jack comes out, he'll hear from other people saying, wow, I'm not, I'm not alone. And you're going like, how could you think you're alone when, you know, but people are in their own little world. And so when these stories come out, it shows, I think, the power of telling your story. And they're, they're happening, it's not happening in Los Angeles and New York. They tend to be happening in Colorado and Missouri and Oregon and Kansas and all these other places. It's really a widespread thing. And I think probably the one region of the country we have seen very, very few stories of the Deep South. Right, yeah, Alabama, Mississippi, we just don't have anything. Um, we know of at least one player in Appalachia who had been out but had so much trouble that we never wrote about him because it would have caused all sorts of grief. Um, so other than the Deep South, we have so many parts of the country that are represented. Um, and I think I think it's the idea of somebody young being that sort of, you know, comfortable with himself that a lot of people can kind of identify with who are older and said, well, it took me till I was 25 or 35 or whatever to do that. And there's a certain level of respect and applause. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I, I do think it's partly, um, what is the word? Uh, kind of living through someone else's experience. Uh, a lot of people, I know I wasn't out in high school, though I would have liked to be. And, and I think a lot of people our age, in their 30s and 40s and 50s, look at these kids and and live vicariously through them. That that gosh, you know, they have they're doing what I couldn't do. What I what I was they're doing what I was thinking, what I so wished I was able to do but wasn't. And I think that I think that's a big piece of it. This kind of being able to live vicariously through someone else's experience and and also just they're pretty inspirational. I know that in my high school. There was one kid who was, well, I was teased mercilessly for being gay, even though I wasn't gay or didn't say I was or didn't think I was. But the one kid who was pretty gay, I mean, was just was brutal for him. I can only imagine some of the fears that these kids overcome to be able to come out to their friends and, and teammates for crying out loud. Yeah, and Jack, you know, he did his whole team. He did it on Facebook, correct? Yes, yeah, some well, some people knew. He his family had known. His mom wrote to me and said that they have known for a while, and and some teammates and friends have known. But he, you know, he wanted everyone to know, and so he just decided to post it on Facebook. And it was kind of a, I thought it was a, a pretty cool letter. I mean, the end of it, he's really talking about wanting to help kids, help other kids, and and I'm sure that he's probably gotten. <laughs> I, I haven't heard from him because he's been so overwhelmed. Yeah, and I, this would always happens that people wind up hearing from other people, and <clears throat> yeah. So we went. So I, I said we don't still have as many of these stories as we would like, even though we have them more and more all the time. And we had one today from executive with the Seattle Storm of the WNBA. Yeah, this guy Kenny Dow happens to be the nephew of Bobby Petrino. Uh, wrote to me, and you know, we posted on Outsports this kind of call for people to tell your story on Outsports and. He answered it, and he just, you know, started talking about his experience with Sherry Morell, the out lesbian head coach at Portland State women's basketball, and how she inspired him to be true to himself. And 
and and he just wanted to and 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 he's also inspired by the WNBA's Pride Initiative, uh, which is going on right now. And the Seattle Storm have a game, uh, Pride game on tomorrow, Friday actually. And he just said, you know, it's time for me to to help somebody else the way Sherry helped me. And so he decided to talk about his his experience playing high school football in Montana and uh, and and uh, the, um, mas- the masculine social structure in Montana and his family. Obviously, his, his his uncles are the head coaches of football at Louisville and the University of Idaho and suicide attempt. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful story. I thought. And we have more of them coming too. People who. When we solicited stories, we have a female 16-year-old swimmer. We have a high school track person, um, and I know there's some others that are going to be. And we have a young journalist. Um, a track we have person. At least three more. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just thought I track thought, athlete, I, meaning that, you know, like they do track and field, but I don't know how to, you know, I think he's a sprinter, so, but you sort of try to think of the right word, a like track person, like a... Well, it's funny. I like. I I start to think like, well, if somebody, so if they were, they could be a runner, but they could also be a jumper or a thrower, and sometimes yeah. the jumpers are also runners. And you can't really call them a runner or a jumper. Then they're a track athlete, I guess. But <laughs> I'll allow track person. And, and you again, can't really these are all young because, people. Yeah, exactly. Right, they're all all young, and it's just wild. So many people wanted to tell their stories. The interesting piece, though, with Jack that the one thing that he was really reticent about was all the attention. And his mom wrote to me and he said it, 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 he got a little overwhelmed. That it was just too much for a 17-year-old kid to handle. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't I don't know how else. I guess we could post the stories on Outsports but not promote them at all. But then what's the point if people aren't seeing them? <laughs> yeah, it becomes a tricky thing. Yeah. I don't know how to do it either because it really shows how value these stories still are that that it does cause that response yeah well again kids kids are looking for other kids who are like them and and, you know every single one still thinks to an extent that they're the only ones or they might be the only ones in their state or the only ones in their in their sport but uh we just have about 30 seconds left jim i know we won't be doing a podcast next week you're headed to the catskills i'm getting married yeah but even more important Sid's getting married (laughs) Everybody, Sid's getting married the 4th of July. I'm sorry I'm not going to be there. I'll be with my family at our family reunion, but Sid, time cannot finally. People have gotten mad that we haven't sent invitations, didn't send invitations to them. We didn't send invitations to anybody, so everybody settle down. If you want to come, tweet me and I'll tell you where it is. Other than that, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Go USA.